Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. Good morning, Word of Life Church. Good morning. We are uh, super, super excited just to have everybody here and online. So a big shout out to everybody who came and joined us and, uh, and joined us for the 9 o'clock service and is also uh, you know, joining us online. Really appreciate. I, I love getting to, to have both on-site and online, you know, just because... That means we got a lot of people who get to join us, and so I'm excited you guys are here. I'm excited we get to be back in the building, and uh, we're going to have a great time. There's, um, there's no way to do church this Sunday without like recognizing the events of this past week. Um, and yet, you know, if you had any conversation with me, I am not here to talk about politics. I am here to point you to Jesus every single time we talk. So, the best way for us to navigate this is to go to the Lord in prayer together for the people, and that means all people. And so, if you'll join me in prayer, let's, let's go to the Lord together. God, you are, you are high and lifted up. Seated on a throne in heaven in a, in a temple not even made with human hands. And you are constantly worshipped. Angels, proclaim your glory. And we are blessed to be known by you. We are blessed to be loved by you. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son to be our savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for humbling yourself, taking on humanity, and living a perfect life and dying in our place, taking upon yourself the sins of humanity. Lord, that seems like such a huge thing, but also just very personally. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for taking my sins. The sins of my loved ones, you paid for them. The sins of my neighbors, you paid for them. But death couldn't hold you. You rose again to new life, and right now you are seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and you are interceding for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We cry out to you for the people of our nation. As the nation goes through unrest, 
We saw the events of this past week at the Capitol, and it's, it's not one day. It's like this culmination of, of years uh, of division, Lord, and regardless as to where people are at, you know, politically and personally and, and everything else, Lord, we just ask you for opportunities to share your message of the gospel with everyone. Your message of salvation by grace through faith. We ask you, Lord God, to work through your church. Lord, that you would unite us in you. You, Lord Jesus, are our Savior. We are your church. You are the head. Unite us in you. Just as you, as you told your closest friends that, that everyone would know they, that we are your followers by our love for one another. So we ask you, Lord God, to pour out your love, which you first loved us with, and help us to love one another with your love. And pursue peace. We love you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us. Help us to hear your word today. And receive the grace and forgiveness that you want to give us. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus, our Savior. Amen. As we kick off our series uh, in David last week, we had to start with um, Israel's rejection of God and his way and, and demanding uh, a king for themselves. And who did they want? They wanted Saul. Saul, tall, dark, and handsome. And who doesn't want a tall, dark, and handsome leader? I don't know. Um, but they chose Saul, and they really wanted Saul, but Saul had a problem. He had a fear problem. And the problem, Saul's fear problem really led him to, to be rejected by God. Not because he was afraid, but because when Saul was afraid, he disobeyed God. When Saul was afraid of what people thought of him and, and, and he was worried that Samuel wasn't going to get there in time, he did the offering himself instead of waiting for Saul, Samuel to do the offering. He took somebody else's job and that's not his job. And God, God said, that's not my way. And when, uh, and when God said, hey, I need you to you know, take over this city, but no plundering the city. And, but Saul was afraid of what his army would think, of what his people would think. And so he let him just kind of take some of the best stuff. Just a little bit of plunder. He disobeyed God because he was afraid of what other people would think. Over and over and over again, Saul got in trouble because when he was afraid, he disobeyed God. And so God rejected him as king. And in our text for today, 1 Samuel chapter 16, God chooses for himself a king, a king with a heart like his heart. Let's take a look. If you have your Bibles with you, you can check it out in 1 Samuel chapter 16, reading in Jesus' name, because it's God's word, not mine. 
If you don't have your Bibles, no worries, right up here. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and he came to Bethlehem and the elders of the city came to meet him trembling. Do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. You see, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse made Shammah pass. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made Seven of his sons passed before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, uh, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. And had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And then Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Here ends the reading of God's word. It would be easy to look at this text and think politics when you've got like two, you know, political parties, the party of Saul and the party of David. And it might be easy to think about like crowning a king and everything else. But I want you to try to remove any aspect of politics as you're looking at this. This isn't about politics. It is 100% spiritual. It's going to be another 30 years before David even gets to become king. This is an anointing, and it's happening at what I would consider to be the best worship service ever. And the reason why this is one of the best worship services ever is because it's worship and a barbecue mixed together. Super cool. All right, I'll figure out. I'll tell you how it happens. Okay, so, so this is what happens. You see... <coughs> Samuel's all upset about Saul because Saul keeps, keeps disobeying the Lord and he knows that, that God has rejected him and he's just bummed and he's just kind of walking around the house just moping like, oh man, now what are we going to do? 
And God just kind of comes in and he's like, how long are you going to mope around the house? Let's go. Fill your horn with oil. It literally was a, a horn filled with like olive oil, okay, that, he, that they would use for anointing the king. And uh, he says, go to Bethlehem. And he's like, if Saul hears I'm anointing another king, he's going to kill me. Not like he's going to kill me like I say it. Like when I say it, I don't actually think someone's going to kill me. Okay? When I say, hey, if I do this, they're going to kill me. I don't actually think that one of my kids is going to kill me. I just think that they're going to be really upset. In Samuel's case, if Saul hears that he's anointing another king, he literally means Saul's going to kill me. God says, don't worry about it. Take a heifer. Go to Bethlehem. Have a little worship time. Make a sacrifice. And while you're there, we're going to anoint one of Jesse's boys. And so that's how they did worship at that time, is that they would have a worship service slash barbecue which I just think is absolutely awesome. I love worship and I love barbecue. So how could it be bad? You get down there, he comes into the city. The city's all terrified. They're like, what are you doing? Are you coming in peace? And you know, Samuel has a reputation of a guy who like, you know, means business. He says, yeah, I'm coming in peace. I'm here to worship. Everybody consecrate yourselves. The word consecration is the word for, um, that they would use for this uh, you know, washing ceremony, but it also had to do with confession. Okay, So you're kind of washing off your sins as you're confessing. It was a really neat, actually, kind of, kind of concept of, um, of confessing your sins while you're washing your hands, getting ready to come to worship. I don't know if you guys all do that while you're showering up in the morning before you come, you know, to, you know, to worship, you know, but the, the, whole, the whole ceremony of consecration uh, is about washing and confessing. And matter of fact, we're going to do a little consecration later in the service as we uh, prepare for, for communion, to receive communion. We'll do a consecration, okay? Not necessarily with a hand washing, although if you want to, there are bathrooms, you know, uh, not going to hold you back from washing your hands, um, you know. But that consecration or confession prepares us to receive what God is doing, and so uh, and and so they they do the consecration, and Jesse comes in, and Samuel says, "One of your boys, one of your boys is going to be anointed as the next king. This is kind of a big deal." And so Jesse picks. His oldest son first. Typical oldest. Always get chosen first. Oh yeah, I'm an oldest. I always got chosen first! <laughs> Middle children are out there like, hate this guy. <laughs> um, but it's true. First guy comes, comes in and and as soon as, as soon as Samuel sees Eliab, he's like, this has got to be the guy. I mean, look at this guy. Just look at him. And that's when God corrects him. No, he's not the guy. And, and not only does he say, no, he's not the guy. He says, do not look on his appearance 
or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. This is where some people say that the, that the God is actually saying that God doesn't love just short, you know, just tall people. He loves people who are vertically challenged as well. You know, I don't think that's exactly what's being said here. I think what is being said here is that it, he goes on to say, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And that's the point right here. Is that God's not looking at Eliab's stature. He's not doing his stats. This isn't like the NFL, you know, like show off day where he's telling how tall he is and how much he weighs and how fast he can run the, the 40 or any of those sorts of things. This is is all about the heart. God doesn't just look on the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And I don't know what he saw, but as he looked at Eliab, he said, no, not the guy. Shema, nope, not the guy. Abinadab, nope, not the guy. Next some, apparently Samuel just kind of, kind of got tired of listing off their names since they weren't the guy. So then it was just uh, seven sons, you know. Uh, not the guy, not the guy, not the guy. And then Samuel's like, Jesse, I understand you got a lot of sons. Maybe it's hard to keep track of all of them. Like, is this all of them? I get it. When my kids were small, I counted to four all the time. We'd go to the store. I'd be like, one, two, three, four. <laughs> you know? Um, and Jesse's like, uh, yeah, except for the youngest. I mean, he's out, he's out taking care of the sheep. They totally forgot. They didn't invite him. It's like, it's like everybody came to church and left the youngest one at home. <laughs> you know? Hey, do me a little favor, just kind of clean the place up, do the dishes or something like that. We'll be back after church. That's terrible. They all go to worship and they leave him like out with the sheep. They didn't even tell him there was going to be a barbecue. I would be upset. But apparently he didn't even know. So wasn't upset. Samuel says, we're not going to sit down. We are not going to sit down and eat barbecue. We are not going to sit down and worship the Lord. We are not going to do any of this until he comes. And so somebody has to run all the way out there and get David and bring him in. And the Lord says, that's the guy. Interestingly enough, as you're reading it, Samuel says, And he sent and brought him in, in verse 12. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. Samuel, the Lord just said that he doesn't look on the outward appearance. But even Samuel, still looking on the outward appearance, still describing him based on the outward appearance. He was ruddy, which is the same word that's used to describe Esau. He was red, which either meant like he was a, he was a redhead, you know, uh, or it meant that like his cheeks were super rosy from running all the way, you know. <sighs> okay, get a little flushed. One or the other. It says that he had beautiful eyes. Don't say what color, beautiful eyes, and that he was handsome. 
He was probably somewhere between 13 and 15 years old at this time because he was old enough to be left with in, in charge of the sheep and stuff like that. And so some of them, bad. by the way, this is about 1000 BC. That's where this is occurring. It's a few years ago, you know. Things were a little different. Some things are the same. That's the guy. Throughout scripture, whenever, when it mentions King David, it refers to David as being a man after God's own heart, a man who has a heart like God's heart. David loves what God loves. And as we go through this series, we are going to get a a nice look at the heart of David and, as a result, also the heart of God. And one of the ways in which we do that is that every week our call to worship is going to be from one of David's psalms. And as you read the psalms and the song, these are worship songs that the nation of Israel has used for centuries, um, that as you read these psalms that David wrote down, he was a songwriter, he was a poet, poet, and as you read those, you get to hear the heart of David. And as, and as you get to hear the heart of David, you get to hear the heart of God too. God's heart. We look at what happened with David... And it's, look, nobody even thought of David. No one invited him. They all left him out. You'd think one of the brothers would have at least remembered to go get him. But no. You see, we have this tendency to judge people based upon what we see. You judge me based upon what you see. But God, God looks at the heart. And I have no idea what he saw in the hearts of those other seven brothers, but that's not who he chose. He looked at David's heart. He saw a heart like his heart. He chooses David even though nobody picked David. He's just a kid. He's out with the shepherds. He's not very big. God sees David when everyone else overlooks him. God chose David even though everyone else forgot him. God knew when everyone else thought David couldn't be the one, God chose David to be his king. I don't know about you, if you've ever been not chosen or if you don't feel very good about yourself every once in a while, but I can tell you one thing. God's not looking at your outward appearance. He's not looking at what you wore to church today. He is not looking at your haircut. He's not looking at your shoes. He's not evaluating you based on how tall you are, how fast you are, or any of the metrics that you evaluate yourself and your own enoughness. As you stand in front of the mirror either literally or figuratively, and look at yourself about how useful you are or how beautiful you are, how smart you are, how strong you are. 
That's not what God is looking at. God looks at the heart. He chose David because of the faith and hope that he saw in David's heart. And we get to hear that even as we look at this psalm from today's call to worship. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. The eye of the Lord isn't on those who are really tall or really handsome, but on those who hope in his steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. It's him. It's the Lord. It's what the Lord does. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast Lord be upon us even as we hope in you. When, when God looks at David, he sees the faith that he has. not just the outward appearance. So God chooses an unlikely boy to be his king. And God did the same exact thing when he sent Jesus. Jesus Jesus came in person after 400 years of silence from God, God hadn't spoken to his people in over 400 years when that angel appeared to Mary. At a time when everybody was just giving up on God and the hope of a savior, God sent his son. When everybody was looking for somebody who looked like royalty, who would be born at, you know, in, in, in Jerusalem, who would grow up in, in a kingdom, you know, in the palace, God sent Jesus humble through a virgin laid in a manger. When the religious leaders heard that, that Jesus was walking around preaching and leading the people. They wanted, they expected somebody who looked just like them and acted just like them and talked just like them. But Jesus saw the heart. And when he didn't look like they wanted him to look, they crucified him. But Jesus took the sins of all of humanity. Humanity seems, all of the sins of humanity seems huge, and it is. But he also took all of the sins of me. He took all of the sins of my family, and my neighbors, my friends. He took all of your sins too. And he paid for them on the cross. 